In today's show, I'm going to be looking back at Thursday's three games in the NBA and then previewing an absolutely massive 11-game slate for Friday. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. Are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Three games on. So let's talk about those. Let's see what we can find out from a fantasy perspective. And then we'll go into the fan jewel pricing for the 11 games on over there. Don't forget to check out my What to Watch For video, uh, looking at my day, my seasonal fantasy views on the 11 games coming up on Friday. So you can check that out uh, on the YouTube channel. Let's talk about these games. And, and I am really interested to see what people think because I'm doing a little bit, and this is for the video people, I'm doing something a little bit different on the screen in terms of the display. What do you think of this display? Instead of having both teams pushed into one box score, it's the advanced box score on ESPN that shows a whole bunch of other stuff like net rating, usage rate, true shooting. It has their uh, fantasy points for FanDuel, which is the standard default Yahoo scoring as well, and DraftKings points all on that one screen. Let me know down in the comments, do you like it this way, where I do one team at a time uh, in terms of the box score display, or do you like the old box score? And, and if so, tell me tell me why and tell me what your reasons are, and we'll see how we go with it. But the Lakers get the bucks, 113-106. LeBron James. LeBron James. He'd been struggling. And before this game, he was outside the top 30. And by struggling, I mean he was struggling by LeBron standards. But 34, 6, and 8, he hit six triples, a steal and a block. Great efficiency, fantastic. While KCP continues to be just amazing in terms of shooting. 23 points in 20, in 27 minutes with seven triples. 70% from deep. He's at over well over 50% on the season. It is going to come down. It is going to come down hard. But if you are looking for a player to stream in for threes and to stream in for steals, KCP's doing it, and he's doing it regularly. I think Anthony Davis is a buy low. 18-9 with six assists and two blocks, but two of five from the line, 44% overall from the field. He is the 21st player overall this season, and in a points league, he only had 45 points today. He's the 15th ranked player in a points league this season. I think that he can be much better than that, obviously. I think he can push up to be you know, a top 10 player in, in both formats pretty easily. Um, but it's been a little bit down, and he played 38 minutes today. It's it's curious. Alex Caruso chimed in with three steals, while the table Montrez Harrell had a meh, sort of game, 12 and 5 in 26 minutes. I said after their last big game, I'd look to sell high with Harrell, and I'd look to sell high with Dennis Schroeder, who was atrocious. Four points in 33 minutes on two of 10 shooting for Schroeder. That accounted for 11.7 fantasy points. He is the 97th player in points league, Schroeder. He's 130 in category leagues in a 10-team league. In a category 10-teamer, I drop Schroeder. I think Harold's a drop in, in 10-teamers as well. In 12s, I can understand holding them, but I also can understand dropping them. They are not must-roster players across every format in my mind. 
Uh, Kyle Kuzma had five points in 22 minutes, and Mark Gasol had uh, three points in his 18 minutes. Oh, hi, Mark. Not a lot to write home about there. Gasol with just the 13 fantasy points as well, and Kuzma had 16 fantasy points. Um, if I look at Harrell, actually, from a points perspective, he's the 104th ranked player this year. Uh, so yeah, that, that probably makes him worth a 12-team league hold. Uh, just with that one, let's have a look now at the Bucks side of things. Yanni Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. 35 minutes, 25 and 12. Rebounding has been down this year. He blocked a shot. He was piss poor, 2 or 4 from the line, 65 from the field. Yeah, still pretty good stuff. He is 40th in category leagues this season. He had uh, 38 fantasy points today, the seventh ranked player. Thought he was going to be like a top two fantasy points guy this year. Just hasn't quite been at that same level as his rebounds have dropped. Drew Holiday has exceeded my expectations. He had 22 points with seven assists and two threes, while Chrissy Middleton, not the best shooting night for Middleton, but 25 and seven with three threes. He's pretty good production. Holiday actually was the highest scoring fantasy points producer on the Bucks with four. 41 here. He is the 54th ranked player in a um in a points there while Middleton is 34th. Brooke Lopez played 33 minutes. It's a big game. It's a close game, so he plays more minutes. 13 and 4 with two blocks. Not someone that, you know, again, people wanted to drop him earlier on. Uh, I'm, I'm much more into him than others are, and I think he should have been held. But in a points league, he doesn't have as much value. While in another close game, Bobby Portis played only 16 minutes. Four and eight. Now, he is the 102nd ranked player this year over the course of the year in 22 minutes. But we see that when the games are close, he doesn't play. He's not that good. And a lot of what he did earlier in this season was outsized. He had almost 20 fantasy points as well, 117th in points leagues this year. In a 10-team league, I'd be more than happy not to have Portis. And in a 12, again, I think the trend is going to be that he's not a 12-team league player. There are going to be games where they blow teams out and he plays 25 minutes and has 12 and 12 and gets a block and gets a steal and it looks great. But it's going to be wildly inconsistent in my opinion. For Porter, Divincenzo, 10 points in 23 minutes. He's the 103rd ranked player in a category league. He's way better in a category league than a points league. He had just the 18 today, and he's averaging just 22 fantasy points. He is not a 12-team must-own or must-roster, sorry, uh, points league player. I think he's fine in a 12-team category league. It is His value is steals. And he hits some threes, but it is steals. So if you're not looking for steals or they're not they're not important in your build, uh, then his value is, is really, really small. And I think that's worth monitoring that he is a must roster if you are you know, factoring in steals as a category that uh, you need some help with. If you need some help with finding the best place to put your sports knowledge to the test, I've got a place for you. It is the one place that has you covered and is the one place that we trust. Betonline.ag. The conference championship games in the NFL, they are coming up. Let's have a look. Can we find out who's who's favorite in these games? That's that's a great question. In these uh in these NFL conference championship games, I am uh, I'm pretty keen on seeing cuz I I know my brother's a big uh or big he's a he's a fan of the um of the what are they called the, the Buffalo Bills and he's pretty excited to see the Bills finally have a good team on bet online if he wants to go on there and he wants to place a bet. Well, he can uh he can do that, and he can do it with the trust of the place that we at the Locked On Podcast Network trust the most. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code, which is Locked On. You can receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. Now, in between the end of that Lakers and Bucks game, we did get some news breaking about a trade in the NBA. So let's have a quick talk about that now. Kevin Porter Jr., has been traded away from the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. We knew that he was; they were sending him home and not to get, not keeping him around, potentially waiving him. But they have traded him 
to the Houston Rockets in exchange for the fakest second-round pick you could possibly uh, trade for, a top 55 protected second-round pick. So unless the Rockets have the fifth-best record in the NBA this year, or better, then uh, no pick changes hands. So it's basically just uh, in order to fulfill NBA rules. So Porter is gone. He hasn't played a game this year. Personal reasons, assault charges over the offseason, drugs and weapons charges as well, I believe. Um, and then had that outburst when his locker was moved and Torian Prince yeah, came in and yeah, threw food around the locker room and had fights with the general manager and yeah, just overall not good stuff. He was dismissed from USC in college and he fell in the draft to pick number 30 because of all these personal issues. He heads to Houston, which I think is probably a good place for him overall in terms of a personal level. John Lucas there, an assistant coach, has got a good good uh, reputation in dealing with people with off-court issues. So hopefully he can get himself right. But the question will, of course, come out, do we add Kevin Porter Jr.? The answer to that is is no. All right, no, I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, well, okay, I think no. You guys can make your own decision, but this is why. Their starting point guard is John Wall. And then it's Victor Oladipo, and then it's Daniel House. Then it's PJ Tucker and Christian Wood. There's your starting five. Then there's Eric Gordon that comes off the bench. He's the sixth man. Then you have Jay Sean Tate, who's the seventh man and a key part of what they're doing. There's your eighth man, the backup center, Demarcus Cousins. And there's eight guys who are already, yeah, I'd say pretty clearly ahead of Kevin Porter. You could say maybe Porter can get ahead of Tate. Maybe he can do that and become the eighth man. And then there is. Ben McLemore, there's David Nwaba, and there's Sterling Brown. Now, none of those are great players, but McLemore's had a key role on this team as a shooter. Nwaba's playing some key defense, filling in starts. Sterling Brown steps up when he needs to. Porter is a guy who's got a lot of off-court issues. He does have some talent, for sure, but even if we ignore those big men, PJ Tucker, Cousins, and Wood, where are the minutes behind Oladipo, Gordon, House, and Wall for Porter to get 27-plus a night, which he's going to need in order to become any sort of um, any sort of 12-team league player? He played 23 minutes a night last year, and he was you know, coming on a little bit towards the end of the season before he got hurt, hurt his knee, and then wasn't able to play. He was the 212th ranked player. He averaged 10 points per game and two assists with a true shooting of 54%. You could expect some level of improvement in his shooting numbers. That happens often as players go from first to second year. But yeah, is he even going to play 20 minutes? Is he going to get to 25 minutes? I would add him in an 18-team league, maybe. He literally may not even play. He might. They just might say, get him in here. Let's see how he goes. Let's try and get his head right and get his personal life right. And then whatever happens next year, they move on from Eric Gordon or Victor Oladipo goes or whatever they do. There might be opportunities developing. So I, I like it in terms of a landing spot for the future. But for this year, I just cannot see 25 plus minutes a night for Kevin Porter. So that takes him out of 10s, 12s, 14 team leagues, probably 16-team leagues as well. In 18-teamers, I might take a flyer. In 20-teamers, sure. In 30-teamers, no worries. But realistically, you, you can have a different view of this, and I'd love to hear what your different view is if you want to drop it in the comments or tweet it at me in terms of how you see those minutes working out and how he gets enough minutes to be a useful enough fantasy player. Because his game's not that good from a fantasy perspective. He's not like he's out there you know, getting seven boards and eight assists and 15 points per you know, 30 minutes with two steals. Like He's not that sort of player. 
Um, so I think he needs a lot of minutes to get there. And I just don't think it's going to come. And especially it's not going to come immediately on this team. I just think there is a lot uh, a lot of uh, hurdles for him to jump through to become or have any real semblance of fantasy relevance. We're just not there with him at this point. And I think we can leave him pretty safely on the wave wire. It has zero impact on anyone on Cleveland because he wasn't playing and he wasn't planning on playing for the rest of the season. They weren't going to play him a single second and they didn't. So there is zero impact on that at all. All right, so let's now talk about the next game uh, of the day, the New York Knicks. They take down the Golden State Warriors comfortably in the end, 119-104. Of course, your mate Tom Thibodeau in a game that was like a 20-point margin with 30 seconds left, left all his starters in to play right through to the very end of this one. Julius Randle ends with 36 minutes, 16 points, 17 rebounds, 9 assists. The poor shooting is a little bit of a trend for Randle at the moment, but he's still getting a lot of minutes and a lot of counting stats, and that's working out pretty well. Mitchie Robinson had 18-8 and eight with two blocks in his 27 minutes. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Barely played in the first half, Mitch. He had you know, two really early fouls, but then yeah, it was fine for the rest of the way. While Rowan Barrett Jr. set a career high with 28 points in 37 minutes, his shooting has really picked up. 59% from the field here, two of three from three, added the five assists. Nerlens Noel also did what he does. 10 boards, one steal, four blocks in 20 minutes. Reggie Bullock continued to start. He hit four threes, but it's clear that Alec Burks is going to be the guy that gets the minutes. 31 minutes for Berksy, 11 and 6. If he is on your waiver wire, I'd add him in every single 12-team league. Points and categories, while Emmanuel Quickly, he'd be dropped in every single 12-team league. Five points in 11 minutes for Quickly, while Alfred Payton had 15, 2, and 5 in 37 minutes. Now, Payton's minutes will go up and down, but the vast majority of the time, he is going to exceed what, um, what Quickly does. So you can drop quickly in a lot of those. Obi Toppin had five points in 12 minutes, and surely he is not someone that you're still bothering to hang on to in 12-team leagues at this point. Next, on to the Golden State Warriors. Steph had 30 points in 35 minutes with four triples and four assists, but they were—they really lost this game because Draymond Green was ejected on one of the worst calls you'll ever see. He was yelling at James Wiseman for being out of position on a turnover, I think it was, and the ref thought that he was yelling at him and ejected him. NBA refs, I think basketball refs in general, are just too sensitive. Like, who give, who cares if he's yelling at you? Who gives a shit? Just play on. Tell him, like, shut up, Draymond, and play on. Like, kicking guys out of games for egregiously poor decisions like this one, it's it's not good enough. And they can rescind the, rescind the tech later on, but they can't come back in and say, well, let's replay the second half and Draymond comes out there. Like, that is ludicrous to me. Green had uh, eight assists in the first half. And only three points, but eight assists were really nice, and he was looking much better. Well, James Wiseman, Blunty, ended up, the line was all right, 15 and 18, 25 minutes. He did play a little bit there through the garbage time at the end, but overall, I wasn't super impressed with his level of play. Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle were exposing him a lot of the time, and that's never a great sign. While Kelly Oubre, the shit shooting continues, seven points on 18%. He was figuring it out a little bit before this game. I'm not worried I'm still holding. It's obviously not ideal. Well, Andy Wiggins hit the shots great in the first half, barely hit him in the second half, ended with a nice 17-9 and nine line, and he's just hovering inside that top 100 for the season, and you may not in there, may in there, but it's never going to be too much higher than that with Wigo, with what he is able to provide for fantasy teams. All right, so on to the last game of the day, 
and it was the Utah Jazz blowing out the Pelicans again, 129-118. It probably wasn't that close in the end, to be honest. Josh the Hitman Hart had seven points with eight rebounds, two steals, and a block. Yeah, not bad. He's really just a 14-team league guy. While Ingram had 23 with nothing else, and Zion had 27 with nothing else. Actually, that's unfair to Ingram because he did hit four threes, and both guys were really efficient, but yeah, really lacking in those other stats. Bledsoe, subpar, 8-6 with two steals. Lonzo, subpar, 14 points, 5 assists. But they played 27 and 28 minutes, and that meant that Nikhil Alexander-Walker just played 18 minutes. I think you can go ahead and drop Alexander-Walker in 12-team leagues. 11 points for him. At some point, he's going to get an opportunity. It's not going to be this season, is my guess. As for Bledsoe, I think he's still a soft, soft hold. But in a 10-teamer, I would consider dropping him. Uh, Steve Adams had 16 boards to go with his 8 points. Not the greatest game, but getting those 16 boards is fine. For the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, the Don. He's Don. He's good. 36 points in uh, 34 minutes for Mitchell. Six triples, seven rebounds, five assists, and eight of eight from the line. I'm always watching the free throw attempts for Donovan Mitchell. That's awesome. Good bounce back from Mike Conley, who was on my buy low list the other day. 20 points with six assists and three steals. While Rudy Gobert did what he does, 12 and 11 and four blocks. And Jordy Clarkson, now something I've been talking about a lot with Clarkson, he was on my sell high, is that when Ingles starts to get his minutes back, Clarkson will see that drop off. And it did happen here. 24 minutes for Clarko. Still was amazing with his usage. 19 points in 33% usage, had three threes, but had no assists and no steals. Or sorry, and uh, and no blocks, but two steals there. Well, Ingles had nine assists. That's what I meant by Clarkson being a sell high. He'll lose some minutes. He'll lose some assist opportunities. And some of this shooting and usage will probably fall off at some point. Tough times with Boyan Bogdanovic. 16 points, which is all right, but 36% shooting. He's not a top 200 player this year. His value is in points and threes. He did have two steals today, but he's points and threes with good free throws, and he was a perfect 7 of 7 from the line. It would have been a tragic night without that. It's really hard to consider him an absolute must roster. In a 10-team league, I think Bogdanovich is a drop. In a 12, it's all right, but it really depends on who's there on the wire. Like if Alec Burks is there, I'll add Alec Burks over Bogdanovich. I just, what he's doing is just not exciting enough, and the upside's not there, and do I have to hold through the shittiness to get to piss-poor upside? Like I, I, That's not something that I want to be doing in uh, in most of those cases. Let's have a look now at the top ads across the league. Jeremy Lamb up 31%. I think that probably everyone just added him after that 4 or 4 start. I understand the appeal of doing it. I'm not as big on it as most people are. We'll see where we end up, but it's no problem with taking a flyer on him. Jeff Green's up 16%. I'm actually more in on that than Jeremy Lamb, to be honest, because Green looks like he's going to get a ton of minutes, and his upside's pretty low, but I think he's got some 12-team value. Ingles is up 15%. I assume that's a stream for today, while Kendrick Nunn was up 13%. That's because he's had two absolute monsters in a row. But of course, when Hero comes back, when Butler comes back, and when Bradley comes back, he may not even get into the rotation, or he might not even play over 10 minutes a night. But with Butler and Bradley out again on Friday, and Hero may be out, it makes sense to take a flyer. While Kuzma, surely, surely that's either people trolling me, or people just streaming him in for today. He's up 12%. The drops, Lonnie Walker down 12.5%. I've been dropping him since before I even picked him up. Willie Cauley-Stein down 10%. Makes sense. He went to the bench. Maxi's down 10%. He was a drop a week ago. Gary Harris down 9%. Yep, absolutely, just a streamer, while Paddy Williams down 8%. Out of all those guys, Williams is the guy that I would hold on to, but even then, I think his upside in this season is pretty limited, unfortunately for him. Let's go to the monstrous lines of the night. Don Mitchell gets it uh, for his massive performance with 36.7 rebounds 
and six triples. He's on the way back. He is, over the last two weeks, the 22nd ranked player. He's shooting 89 from the line and 50 from the field during that time, getting almost five assists per game and doing it still without getting big steals, just 0.7 steals per game, 27 points per game. The usage is up. He's starting to put it together. And the most important thing is where that field goal percentage has gone, up to 50% over that last two weeks. And that's what's really jumping him from being a top 50 player to being that top 30 player, along with the increased in increase in free throw attempts is really what's helping him get to that level. And then we go to the uh, rookie of the night, and that is James Blunty Wiseman. Where are you now? 15 and 8 with two assists for Wiseman. He is the 172nd ranked player on the year, averaging 11 and 6. Shooting 51 from the field, but you know, not great from the line. 63% of that has improved over his last three games. He's blocking shots at an okay level, 1.3 per game, but that has fallen off recently as well. He's not really in that 12-team discussion at this point, but you can see where it goes from here. So I don't mind holding on to him. I just think that you know, with some of his recognition issues on the court and the minutes that he's getting played, um, it, it leads to concerns with his overall value for sure. Let's now flick over and have a look at the... Massive amount of games, 11 amount of games, uh, 11 games, 11 games in the NBA on Friday and looking at FanDuel pricing here. All right, let's take a look at the first game, the Bulls and the Hornets. It looks like Wendell Carter Jr. won't be playing, so it's going to open up a ton of value for this Bulls team. I don't know whether they'll go with Daniel Gafford as a starter or they'll push Lowry Markinen to center and then start Otto Porter, who's off the injury report, and Patrick Williams, or even start Thad Young next to them. But there is an opportunity here for Gafford, who's a minimum salary player, to get some value. Cody Zeller also returning for Charlotte, so that might have an impact on Paul Washington. He's at 6,800 Washington because he's been putting up great numbers. But it is coming with some good rebounds and good blocks, and if Zeller and Biombo take up all the center minutes, I'm not sure what that means for Washington. Zeller's at 44. Yeah, we can do better than that. Haywood's at 78, which I like. And then Markinen at 67 is absolutely worth a squiz. And I think the 3,800 for Thad Young, given the absence of, uh, or the likely absence of Wendell Carter, would make quite a bit of sense to use him here. I'm not massive into Zach Levine. I think he's pretty strong, obviously, but I don't think the value is as uh, apparent as it is for other players. Next game is the Rockets and the Pistons. No Christian Wood. So DeMarcus Cousins, 4,500. Absolute no-brainer player. He could easily drop 40 or 50 here. You have to like Eric Gordon at 5,200 as well. And the Duke Wayne Ellington's at 3,800. He's just a consistent cash floor sort of a player. Uh, 8,400 for Jeremy Grant and 85 for Oladipo. I actually think both of those have value given the respective play of Grant and the play and the absences in Houston with Victor Oladipo. They both make sense to me. Not massive into Jay Sean Tate here or uh, or DeLon Wright at 5,600. I think we can do a little bit better than DeLon with the 5,600 going across um, the, all the games that are being played and the ones that even are being, play, being played. The Magic and the Pacers. Uh, Miles Turner is still questionable. Jeremy Lamb's at 4,000. He had 17 in his first game back. I think he's at least worth a GPP look. Sabonis at 93, I really like. And Ivan Fournier is at 53. He had 32 in his first game back in only 28 minutes from those back issues, so he looks pretty strong. Cole Anthony's at 5,000, actually averaging 30 FanDuel points over the last three games, which is not bad. For 5,000, it's pretty good. I like that. I like Aaron Gordon at 73 as well, while Vooch is all the way up at 9,900. Now, I would rather take Sabonis at 9,300 than Vooch at 9,900. Save myself that extra $600 he does right there. The next game is the Celtics. They're taking on the Sixers. No Jason Tatum. 
Uh, but Seth Curry is returning, and he's at 4,500. The last time he was playing, he dropped 38 points in 36 minutes. He's worth a look. Simmons has come down to 8,000, but I don't like it. I don't like Smart here. While Jalen Brown... JB, you've done it again. 7,600 for Brownie. I think that makes a ton of sense, as does the 10,000 for Embiid. He dropped 65 against the Celtics on Wednesday. Kemba Walker's up to 6,300. I have no interest in that, even though his minutes restriction has increased. He can play up to 28 now. And I think Shake Milton's going to be tough to roster. And that's because of the return of Seth Curry, and that's going to have an impact on what he can do. The thick hogsman, Tobias Harris, at 74 is not a bad cash play, but very limited upside, I believe, for tournaments. Miami and Toronto, no Jimmy Butler, but we do have maybe the return of Tyler Hero. Now, if Hero is out, it gives a real boost to Kendrick Nunn, who's been massive in the last two games. He's up at 6,200, though. So if Hero's out, you don't want to use Nunn. But if Hero's in, I think we can use him at that sort of salary. The Iron Shoulder, Dragic is at 5,200. Rock solid floor. Love that one. While the Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop, OG. Uh, You better stop, OG. He's at 6,000. He hasn't scored under 31 points in his last five games. He's been playing well. I like it. I like Van Vliet at 78. And I like Bam a little bit at 8,800. I'm not super into him at that elevated price. And the wiki Chris Boucher at 78 is probably a little bit on the high side, um, just given the matchup against Adebayo, which uh, obviously troubled him last time out. Next game is the Nets and the Cavs. The Nets are favored by 9.5, and, and the total is 227. The Padawan Colin Sexton's at 75. He dropped 64. It was double overtime, but he was really good. I'm not sure it's the best value play there. I I'd probably want to steer clear of um, Durant and Irving and Harden as well. Um, just again, no double overtime and trying to work out how they all fit together. Well, Drummond's come down to 8,600, and I still don't want to use Andre Drummond at 8,600. Joe Harris at 4,800 is an interesting GPP guy, but that's really about it. I wouldn't want to... Um, get involved in using him in any sort of cash type scenario. But yeah, there is, I guess, marginal value. While we should also be welcoming back Darius Garland at 66. I won't use him though in his first game back. And I definitely won't spend the $6,000 that it's going to cost to get Jarrett Allen into my lineup. Uh, I will not be doing that. The next game, we look at the Atlanta Hawks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. No spread at this point. No DeAndre Hunter's questionable. Cam Reddish is questionable. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock. He is doubtful. Reddish at 4,500 looks all right. And as does Naz Reed at 4,700, he'll get another start with Carl Anthony Towns and Juancho Ahun and Gomez being out. The Baptist, John Collins is at 68. I love that price for Collins. Really good value. Well, Jared Vanderbilt at 48. I'm not massively into that, but there is still some value in him, especially if he doesn't get into foul trouble like he did last time. Russell at 84, I can leave. Or Clint Capella, the Kerner. He is up to 9,200. Big Clint. 63 points average over his last three. It's hard to trust it, but it's hard to steer away. Let's go with it. I like it. Trey's at 99, probably a little bit too high. While Fander Pants, Kevin Hurd is at 59. And I think that would be okay if one of Reddish or Hunter do happen to be missing in this one. Jaden McDaniels was great last game too. He's at 4,000. Absolutely worth a GPP look considering how play, how well he played in that last game that uh, he was out there when Vanderbilt did get into that foul trouble. Big, big numbers from Jaden McDaniel in that scenario. The next game. The Dallas Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are two and a half point, sorry, the Mavericks are two and a half point favorites and the total is 223. No Kleber, Powell, Finney, Smith or Richardson again. Brunson's at 39. He started last game with the small lineup. He had 28. I like it. Trey Burke at 46 is a GPP guy. While Aldridge is $6,000. Uh, probably not. I just, I, he's just been terrible. Doncic at 11,000 is great as is Porzingis. 
percentages at 8,400. He is uh, back in form already, dropping 43 a game over the last three contests. DeRozan at 88,000 is too high. DeJounte at 78, probably also too high. Well, Jakob Pertl is up to 5,300. I don't feel huge security in that. And I also don't think that the ceiling is all that high. That one's uh, postponed the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. The next game is the Knicks and the Kings. The Kings are four-point favorites, and the total is 218.5. The Knicks guard rotation, I'll stay away from that. That can change at any point with uh, Tim, Tom, Tim? Tom Thibodeau, that's his name. Darren Fox, 7,800. That looks to be a pretty good floor price, while Mitchie Robinson's at 5,600. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. I think probably more GPPs. Uh, Randall's at 8,900, the double royal. Under 9,000 for Julius Randle looks good to me. I don't want to use Halliburton. I don't want to use Bagley. I do have a little bit of interest in uh, RJ Barrett at 6,900. Giggity. His shooting's been better lately, and that can always drop off, but I think he's worth looking at, and I don't think Emmanuel Quickly is going to be the player for me. The next game's got real blowout potential, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the LA Clippers. The Clippers are favored by a monster 13 points, and the total is 220. The Clippers have no injuries to report, while Al Horford is out for the Thunder. So that means Isaiah Roby at 45 is one of the guys that we look at. Kawhi's at 9,500. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> but how do we trust that he's going to play more than 28 minutes? That's the thing that's really rough for me. Marcus Morris at 43, hard to rely on him. And same with Gildas Alexander at 82, who can be really good. But if the game's a blowout, he'll just play 27 minutes. Wouldn't want to use Baisley. Probably wouldn't want to use Dort. But he's averaging 32 over the last three, Dort. Uh, I just don't think this is the right matchup to get him out there and, uh, and into a DFS lineup. The last game of the day is the Nuggets and the Suns. The Suns are one and a half point favorites here. Cam Johnson started the last two. He's at 4,300. There is some GPP value, but not too exciting. While Chris Paul's at 69. Giggity. Um, yeah, not sure. Not into, not into it. 7,200 for DeAndre Ayton. I am into. And we might get Michael Porter Jr. coming back. I don't think I'd want to use him. He's questionable due to conditioning, but he might be returning. Jokic is at 11.2. Is it too high? Is it too high for Big Chungus? That is the question. Um, probably not. I think that it's, uh, I think he's good for 55 here, probably 60. I like Jokic. The headmasters at 68, Jamal Murray, not really going to do it for me. Same with McCall Bridges at 5,700. That'll do it for today's show. Last recap of the week. I'll be back to recap Sunday's games, but there'll be mini shows released on the audio feed, on the video feed all across the weekend. Guys, don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.